Welcome to the weekly worship service from St. Paul's Lutheran Church and School in Bourbon A and Kankakee. In today's service, you will hear readings from God's Word, a message from our pastor, the Lord's Prayer, and a blessing for you and your family. But first, a few announcements about our ministry at St. Paul's. We invite you to join us for our weekly 5 p.m. Saturday worship service at our church located at 348 East Merchant Street in downtown Kankakee. We also hold weekly Sunday morning worship services at 8.30 and 11.05 at our school site, located at 1780 Career Center Road in Bourbon A. If you have any health reasons that might keep you away from in-person worship, please consider one of our alternative worship services, such as our worship page on our website, our weekly WKAN broadcast, and through our Facebook stream. You may also request an audio copy or opt for our podcast. All worship services and church information are available on our website at stpaulslutheran.net. The latest information on our response to the pandemic is available by clicking the COVID-19 tab at the top of the page. For more information about St. Paul's Lutheran Church and School, please call the church office at 815-932-0312. And now we pray that you are blessed by the Word of God in today's worship. lesson for today is from Romans, the fourth chapter, beginning at verse 1. What then shall we say that Abraham, our forefather, discovered in this matter? If in fact Abraham was justified by works, he had something to boast about, but not before God. What does the scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Now, when a man works, his wages are not credited to him as a gift, but as an obligation. However, to the man who does not work, but trusts God, who justifies the wicked, his faith is credited as righteousness. 
David says the same thing when he speaks of the blessedness of the man to whom God credits righteousness apart from works. Blessed are they whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord will never count against him. In hope, he believed against hope that he should become the father of many nations, as he had been told, so shall your offspring be. He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead, since he was about a hundred years old, or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. No distrust made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he knew, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. Please stand for the gospel. According to St. John, the third chapter. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the miraculous signs you were doing if God were not with him. In reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth. No one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. How can a man be born when he is old? Nicodemus asked. Surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can this be? Nicodemus asked. You're Israel's teacher, Jesus said, and you do not understand these things? I tell you the truth, we speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen, but still you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. This is the Gospel of the Lord.
May God's grace, mercy, and peace be yours today in the name of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. The text for the message today comes from our first reading from Romans. Let us pray. Dear Father in heaven, we, your ways are justice and truth. Strengthen our faith in Jesus, our righteousness. Keep the eyes of our faith focused on our Redeemer that we may live with you for all eternity. And as we gather, may the words of my mouth, may the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our Maker and our Redeemer. Amen. Amen. You know, one of the books that I loved looking at when I was a kid, it was the Guinness Book of World Records, right? Am, am I right there? I mean, admit it, you, you probably loved looking through that book at all those different entries, especially the ones that are just sort of way off base, right? Now, the Guinness Book of World Records are amazing things. They measure just about anything. Did you know that uh, Vincent Pilkington holds a world record for plucking a turkey? One minute, 30 seconds. Yep, there it is. Did you know that Ken Edwards can eat 36 cockroaches in one minute? Why you would want to do that, I have no idea, uh, but he's got a record for it. Jacob Chandler of Oregon found all 26 English language letters in a can of alphabet soup and placed them in order in a record-breaking two minutes and 8.6 seconds. He said the most difficult part of training was learning the subtle differences between like a W and an M, right? Dwayne Hansen climbed into a hollowed out pumpkin on the Missouri River a day after his 60th birthday, paddled that unusual vessel a distance of 37.5 miles from Bellevue, Nebraska to Nebraska City, breaking the previous record of 25.5 miles set in 2016. A Russian woman, has the record for the largest number of births. Get this, she had eight sets of twins, seven sets of triplets, four sets of quadruplets, uh, leaving another 16 individual births uh, throughout that time, meaning that she was pregnant over 35 times, delivering 69 children, pregnant for 26 years of her life. What's even more amazing, these births took place in the early 1700s, and medical science probably was pretty quite primitive at that time, but only two of the 69 died and failed to survive infancy. That'd probably stand for a while, I think. However, in 2019, it was reported that the oldest woman to give birth was age 74. Her husband was 80, giving birth through in vitro fertilization after years of being able to conceive. Now, while that record is pretty amazing, we know that Abraham, uh, Abraham's wife, Sarah, sort of beat that record uh, pretty well. Uh, Sarah was 90 years old, Abraham was 100, and to say that their biological clock had stopped ticking, that would probably be an understatement. Abraham was told that he would be a father. <laughs> he uh, fell to the ground laughing. Sarah heard the news and she had a good chuckle to herself too. Some people try to explain the laughter, saying that it was laughter of joy and excitement. I don't think so, right? Now, these two people were as human as we are. And I dare say, if, if the oldest person here today were told the same news, you'd probably react in much the same way. 
in fact, most of us at that age, probably uh, the thought of giving birth and dealing with diapers and toilet training and the teenage years uh, is probably enough to stop an aging heart. You know, from the time God first told Abraham that he would be the father of a great nation to the fulfillment of that promise, 25 years had passed. That long delay certainly tested Abraham's faith. Faith in God, faith in God's promise. But Abraham never gave up. He never gave up the idea that he would be a father and from his child he would have more descendants than the stars in the sky. We hear part of Paul's description about Abraham and his faith in his letter today. Let me read a bit of it again. In hope, he believed against hope that he should become the father of many nations, as he had been told, so shall your offspring be. He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old, or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. No distrust made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith, and he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. Now, that's a pretty good description of faith, isn't it? I mean, Abraham's faith filled him with a certainty that God would do what he had promised. His faith believed, even when it, when it didn't make sense to believe. His faith in God and God's promises filled him with the power, the ability to endure, the strength to overcome doubt, the power to the point where he praised God in spite of his circumstances. His faith enabled him to overcome all kinds of objections and hardships and personal ridicule from others when he told them that he would be the father of a great nation. And yet at that point, he still had no children. Abraham simply focused on God, certain that he would somehow fulfill his promise to him. Now, this is nothing new for Abraham. Uh, remember how God told him to pack everything he had up and, and to uh, follow him and lead him to leave his home and go to this undisclosed location, the promised land. Abraham trusted God. He trusted that God knew what he was doing. Now, it's not a blind faith, but really an intelligent faith that knew whom he could trust. A faith he firmly knew who, who would travel with him, uh, no matter what the journey might bring and where it might take him. It was an intelligent faith to believe that God always keeps his promises. A faith uh, in, in a matter looking away from what we can personally achieve to look at, uh, what, we, what we can personally achieve, but to really look at and toward what God can do for us, what God can do with us, what God can do through us. And faith is realizing that we're at a point that we can do nothing really to change our circumstances and we look to God who has the power to make that difference. You know, even though there is that moment, uh, there's uh, when Sarah's impatience is clear, she urges Abraham to have a child through her servant Hagar. But in the end, it came down to relying on God and God uh, fulfilling the promise of an heir through Sarah. This aging man took God at his word. He trusted God's promises. He believed in God's power to make all this a reality, even though from a human point of view, it, it seemed absolutely hopeless. You know, maybe that's why God waited so long, right? I mean, no one could say to look, look at Abraham and go, you old devil, you, right? I mean, uh, and no one could look at Sarah and, and she, they knew she was way past her prime. 
She stopped, uh, she stopped being, uh, you know, as she got older. No way could Sarah, no way could Abraham take that credit, right? God is the one that did it. Childbearing days, they were well over. If God was going to create a nation from Abraham's descendants, it was God, up to God to do something about it. Abraham, Abraham trusted that God knew what he, that he was doing. Now, we see that kind of trust at work in our lives, don't we? Maybe it's been your experience when, when all human effort has failed and when supports have been pulled out from under you, it has been faith. Faith in God's love. Faith in God's goodness that has kept you going. Maybe it's when sickness and pain have been almost too much for you to endure. It is faith, faith in God that has strengthened you, enabled you to get through it. Maybe it's when the future, the, the fear of the future grips your soul. It is faith that assures you that God has everything under control. Maybe it's times of grief when grief tears you apart. It is faith, faith in, in God's promises of hope, God's ever abiding love, God's assurance of eternal life that enables you to just hold on another day. Maybe you're depressed, you're overwhelmed, your self-worth is at rock bottom. It is, it is faith. Faith in a God who loves you. Faith in a God who made you. Faith in a God who cares for you that gets you back on top of things again. Now, I, I don't want to make it sound too simplistic uh, about the struggles that you have. Faith in God's love and care ought to banish all of our problems, but our human nature and our sin get in the way, don't they? We're often involved in this struggle between, between faith and doubt. This battle goes on inside of us, doesn't it? We try to decide whether we ought to trust God to help us or, or we think that God's left us on our own to fight our way on our own. And I came across uh, what was described, uh, the stages of panic <laughs> uh, and descriptions of what happens when you find yourself in a crisis and it, it might be helpful, might hit home for you. Stage one, I know that God will take care of me. It's, this is the moment, the beginning of the crisis. Faith fills your heart. You're sure God has the power to, uh, to get you through your trouble. You can still smile because you know it's not going to be long before, before it's all going to be over. Stage two, I think God will take care of me. This is when the crisis drags on for a week or more and the second stage kicks in. You're still smiling, but not as much right now. You still believe God's going to come to the rescue, uh, but, he, but he seemed to be taking his own sweet time about it. Uh, and, and the days pass, maybe little arrows of doubt uh, begin to uh, find their way into your heart, but you rush to pull them out and, and you say any day now, uh, but the crisis continues. You smile less, the, the what ifs fill your mind and cloud your confidence. You start maybe planning for the worse, since you're, but still in your better moments, you believe God can still come through for you but your doubt is almost as big as your faith. Stage three, there's no way that God can take care of me. At this point, doubt wins the battle. Faith is in retreat. Anger, despair, replace hope. You think, what a fool was I to trust in God. Uh, God you feel like God's deserted you. And then stage four, I don't know how he did it, but God took care of me. The crisis is over. You've overcome. You're able to cope. You feel better. How did it happen? You don't know. You look back, you're not really sure. But you're sure of one thing. God did it. And you had nothing to do with it. 
In Romans, the Apostle Paul sort of wraps up this discussion about Abraham's faith by applying it directly to you and me. The story of Abraham isn't an ancient account of how God used to work way back then. No, this story is written in the Bible for our instruction today. The God of Abraham is our God too. The the God of the Old Testament is the same gracious and forgiving God today. God has given us a great gift, the gift of faith. Because of faith, we know that Jesus has dealt with our sin. That as far as God is concerned, sins are forgiven, forgotten. Because of faith, we know that God has established a special and unique relationship with us through the waters of our baptism. Uh, Water and God's word combined to make us his own children. Because of faith, we know the blessings of coming to the Lord's Supper uh, for forgiveness and strength. Because of faith, we know that that, that God loves us so much that Jesus died to pay the sin, the penalty of our sin. Because of our God-given faith, we rest in this loving embrace of our Savior. In faith, we believe that God hears our prayers and that he lovingly answers them according to his will. In faith, we believe that we too shall live after death. In faith, we're sure and and certain that our good shepherd walks with us and, and helps us through the rough terrain, the dark valleys of this life. This kind of faith in no way relies on our human ability to trust and believe. It is not our faith that urges God to move and do something, right? Because too often our faith wavers and is uncertain. Even though our faith may be unsteady, that never diminishes God's love for you and me. His offer to stand by us through everything is written in the blood, in the blood of Jesus Christ on the cross. It is an offer of free, complete, unconditional life that will stick with us. It is a gift. Martin Luther talked about this in an explanation of the third article, the Apostles' Creed, about the Holy Spirit. And it has that, that great question, what does this mean? He writes, I believe that I cannot by my own reason or strength believe in Jesus Christ, my Lord, or come to him. But the Holy Spirit has called me by the gospel, enlightened me with his gifts, sanctified and kept me in the true faith. In the same way, he calls, gathers, enlightens, and sanctifies the whole Christian church on earth and keeps it with Jesus Christ in the one true faith. In this this Christian church, he daily and richly forgives all my sins and the sins of all believers. And on the last day, he will raise me and all the dead and give eternal life to me and all believers in Christ. This is most certainly true. My dear friends in Christ, we have been given a gift, the gift of God's Holy Spirit, the one who keeps on pointing us back to Jesus, the one who keeps on pointing us back to his love. He takes our weak and wavering faith and makes it perfect in the eyes of God. And that's the reason for Jesus' death, to make us perfect. Perfect, holy, saintly, full of trust in God, our Heavenly Father. Now, will those uh, world records be surpassed that I mentioned earlier? Probably. Hopefully not the cockroach one. Will our human efforts ever do more than God? No, they never will. May God grant us all the faith, the kind of faith Abraham had, 
a faith that trusts in God, that God has his arms around us as we walk through life, a faith that believes that he will never ignore one of those whom he loves, a faith that is certain that he is ready to hear our prayers and he helps us when there is no other help. So let's go forth today with that sure and certain faith in Jesus. Amen. Please stand. And now may the peace of God that transcends all understanding guard your hearts and guard your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Dear friends, let us confess our faith using the words of the Nicene Creed we confess together. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary and was made man and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried. And the third day he rose again according to the scriptures and ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of the Father and he will come again with glory to judge both the living and the dead, whose kingdom will have no end. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and Son together is worshiped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets. And I believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins. And I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever, amen. Dear friends, go with God's blessing this day. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord look upon you with his favor and give you his peace. Amen.
Thank you for joining us in this time of worship. From all of us at St. Paul's Lutheran Church and School, we thank you for listening. More worship opportunities are available on our website at stpaulslutheran.net. Just click worship at the top of the page. May God bless you and your family each and every day. And again, thank you for listening.